and go out to children's church. I wanted to say a word about our message today before I pray um, for us. I, I am an eternal optimist. That is part of my personality. I think there are some people who absor- observe this world and observe the, the struggles that we go through, and it takes a toll. It can be very challenging to continue with the journey and keep a positive outlook. I, I, I'm convinced that I've done my work as far as my preparation and my study and I think that the lesson that we're going to go over in just a moment is going to reflect the spirit of and even to the letter of what Jesus Christ was teaching when he taught through the Beatitudes. Having said that, there are, if I can use this expression, there are uh, a couple elephants in the room when we come to this topic. We're going to be talking today about peacemakers and when we look at those that would be peacemakers, there are some topics that are, that are difficult to talk about. And as I've gone through them, um, it's, easy to, it's nice to take uh, applications that everybody can relate to. But when we look at the world that we live in, and even the Christian world that we live in, it can be intimidating to talk about peace It can be intimidating to talk about success that God has given in this area. The two elephants in the room, if you're not familiar with that expression, see me afterwards and I'll explain it to you. But the idea is is that it's like there's something there that everybody sees but we don't want to talk about. And a couple areas that you might allow yourself to inwardly, as we study God's Word, think about is the area of divorce, which is not a new topic. Christ had to talk about this 2,000 years ago. And if you've had the opportunity to look at what Christ said, he's going back thousands of years before that and talking about divorce, right? So don't think that this idea of divorce is a new American issue. It's not. But the area of divorce is something that comes to mind when we think of we need some more peacemakers. We need an individual. We need someone in this group to help bring peace so that we can avoid a divorce. Another area that we don't like to talk about too much and people's mind might start to wander, I might even lose some people, is if you talk about peace in the church. We need peacemakers in God's church. We are, somebody asked me this morning if, if I'm going to say anything more about the remodel coming up. We've been um, looking at this remodel process for more than two and a half years. And I think we've done a good job and we've gotten feedback. We've put in committees together and we've raised the funds. And just in about a month and a half, the, uh, eight days after Easter, we will begin the process of redoing the sanctuary. And I've said this multiple times. I'm going to be very pleased to have a nice sanctuary to be able to meet in. But f- since from the beginning of this project, it's been my personal belief that there's something a whole lot bigger than just new pews and new carpet and a new facility to meet in. There's going to be an opportunity for a church family to work with many others that disagree on something and to get through the end and see something beautiful come out of it. So it's more than just a a sanctuary remodel for me. And the old cliche, if you didn't grow up in church world, the old cliche with church splits is the church split over the color of the carpet. Well, 
I want to suggest that nobody splits over the color of the carpet. There are no churches that divide over that. We'll see today in God's word that usually something starts way before that. And if we are able to move forward with this idea of what Christ taught, of being peacemakers, it can allow us not only to have a better journey along the way, but it can allow us to be an incredibly bright light in the place where God has put us. I'm not going to talk about divorce. I'm not going to talk about church splits. But I am going to talk about what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Would you bow with me one more time in prayer? Heavenly Father, I would ask that I would not say anything today that would not be something that you would want me to say. Please guide my heart, guide my mindset. Would you guide those that are here? Would you bring to alert our minds and our hearts? We rejoice in the fact that we can talk about the words of your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he said as he taught here in this world Would you allow us to sit up, pay attention, so that we may learn from this? We thank you for what we have in our future, looking forward to seeing Christ face to face. But God, I would rejoice in what we have today. Help us to appreciate what you've given us and understand your word now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really not too hard to find illustrations that talk about a lack of peace or strife. I have this one here that is a story that was written that came off the police blotter years ago. And it goes like this. Two coaches are suspended and police are considering arrests after 20 men charged the field and brawled during a baseball game for four and five-year-olds. No one was seriously injured and no children participated in the fight. The brawl began when a coach disputed an umpire's call during a Miami Friends Baseball Association game. I love that title, Miami Friends. A video shows men charging the field, throwing wild punches, shoving and and tackling each other. The umpire appears to have backed out of the pile unscathed. There were two children that could be seen in the video. One of the children runs towards the fight, and then he stops. And the other has his back to the brawl and is staring towards home plate as if waiting for the next ball to be hit during this fight. It's not difficult for us to find illustrations of strife and problems in this world. In fact, I suspect that this is going to be one of those sermons that many of you will be thinking, oh, he should have used this story or this illustration here. Probably most of you are going to have several stories from your past that would be perfect to plug in to some of the things that we're going to talk about. We are going to get very, very practical. There are some people in this world that move about that seems like they just have a civil war within them. And when they go and they connect themselves to this group or connect themselves to this person, it's obvious that there is no peace within because of what's coming out of them. And then there are some people that we come across in this world, and I'm so thankful for this. There are some people that we touch their lives And there is an incredible peace within them. 
not just to the point where they seem like they are healthy, but to the point where others that are around them appear to even be more peaceful. I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he teaches. As we've been studying the Beatitudes, we've seen Jesus um, give several beautiful points of teaching. And as we come to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9, we find really a climax of a certain kind of Beatitudes. If you're not already there, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, not to do, uh, you know, too much, give you too much detail as far as the breakdown of this message. We want it to be very applicable. But I will let you know that what we have here is the last beatitude that describes the Christian character. This is the seventh beatitude, and it's unique in that it's the final one that talks about the Christian character. You do see another one right after verse number 9, but that's not talking about something that we should be going after. Instead, that last one that we will cover describes the Christian experience. But just so you understand, we are coming to a climax here. If I could use the illustration of a ladder. When Christ lays out these beatitudes, he starts with one that everybody has to start with. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You have to take this step first. And then you have to progress up this ladder. And where we find ourselves today, blessed are the peacemakers, this is the top rung on the ladder. There is an order to these beatitudes. And so understand, this is not a small thing. Each beatitude that we get to is is, is built upon the previous one. Now, the last time, the last beatitude that we uh, spoke of, we actually did a little intro for this. We said, blessed are the peacemakers, and we talked about Jesus Christ being the best example of this, and we're going to see that come through several times in our message today. And when we introduced this idea of blessed are the peacemakers, we highlighted the idea that peace is not simply the absence of conflict, There might be some who would give peace that kind of a definition. If we can just not have any fighting and not have any strife, that's what peace is. Jesus is talking about something much bigger than that. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, it's more than just keeping two fighting parties apart from each other. He's talking about something that can be done to cause peace when there's incredible opportunity for conflict. So it's not a small thing. And at the end of our lesson today, we will give you several practical additions that you can do that bring peace. But understand that when I say this is the climax of the Beatitudes, of of those things that we can go after, this is tough, okay? That's why, it's at the top, that's why it's the top rung on the ladder. This is the Mount Everest, if you will, of these Beatitudes. So understand, if you want to take this on, and can I suggest to you that every one of you should say, I will take that on. I will work towards that. Not a one person should ever say, well, my personality is just this way, so I'll never be a peacemaker. Jesus Christ doesn't give an out to anyone from this beatitude. It's extremely difficult. It's very hard. 
But he never says, well, if you're Irish, then you don't have to practice this one here. He never says that. He doesn't give anybody an out. So every one of us is called to go after this specific character trait in our life. Let's look at the role, first of all, the role. Happiness belongs to those who are actively going after peace. Incredible happiness is what Christ is talking about, and he begins each of the Beatitudes with the word blessed or happy. And this happiness is going to belong to those who are actively going after peace. So if it seems like you've just had a pretty calm ride in your life, not had too many bumps, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Not just those who have experienced peace but individuals who make it their goal to cause peace with others. Let's go ahead and define what a peacemaker is. Peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it within themselves. This is what a peacemaker is. They bring peace to others, and that's a large task, and we're going to talk about that one in just a few minutes. But the reason they're able to bring peace to others is because they genuinely have it within themselves. And that's not simple either. The turmoil that goes on within men and women, the amount of struggles and sin and problems that brothers and sisters carry with them as they go throughout the week, and this is always on my mind as I think of the different people that will hear the message that I would be teaching. It is not a simple thing to have peace within. By definition, you cannot give somebody something that you do not have within yourself. And so when I ask the question, have you ever seen somebody who seemed to just go throughout their entire life having turmoil? They just seem like this moving battle going from one place to the next, and as you observe them, you just wonder, well, when's it going to happen now? When, when, when's, this, when's this going to erupt? What's going to happen with that one? And the reason that so many people seem like they are just this moving strife from one place to the other or one season of life to the next is because there is a turmoil within. You cannot be someone who makes peace for others unless you have peace within yourself. I think the devil loves this idea of God's children being at war within themselves. It was Thomas Watson who wrote this about the devil and how he attacks believers. Thomas Watson said, Satan kindles the fire of, con- of contention in a man's heart. And then Satan stands there and warms himself at the fire. He loves for that contention to be within you. In order for you to help someone else have peace, you have to have peace within yourself. And so we have to ask the question, all right, how do I get peace within myself? How can I move forward and have this peace that we're talking of here? Well, if you don't mind turning in your Bibles one more time, let's turn over to James, James chapter 3. If you turn to James chapter 3, we're going to find a couple verses here that will help us understand this idea in order of how we can get peace. James chapter 3 in our Bibles. And as I read these, I'm going to ask you to look for the contrast. 
There's a contrast that takes place here, starting in verse number 16 of James 3. And we're going to see something that if you were here for um, uh, the last beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, it should uh, jump off the page to you. Verses 16 and 17 of James 3 says, For where jealousy and ambition and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Now there we have disorder. There we have a war that's traveling. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But, verse 17 says, the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. Let's stop right there. This is the same order that James gives that we find Jesus Christ giving in the Beatitudes. In order for peace to come, there is a rung on the ladder that we have to get to. And that rung is the rung of purity. You will not have peace within yourself if within yourself there is fighting going on within your own passions. A purity of heart. And just for review, and if you haven't heard the message, go online or, or request a CD about purity in heart. Purity of heart means for an individual to have their heart fixed on one thing. And that one thing is the righteousness of God. I had the illustration come into my mind of an old game that the kids used to play in the, in the kids club where they'd have four different teams and they would have this tug of war with four different end pieces. Has anybody ever seen that game before? Tug of war with four different pieces of rope that you're pulling on. Anybody seen that before? Raise your hand. Okay, just a few of us. All right. So you've got four teams, and they're playing tug of war, and they're pulling four different directions. And it's quite a thing to see. When you only have two directions, there's usually a clear winner after not too long of a time. But when you have four different directions being pulled, it's like a circus. It's chaos sometimes. And you'll see somebody getting, starting to win over here and then they start to lose and then somebody else seems like they're going to win and these two seem to be working together. When there is chaos within, there is going to be chaos that comes out. Perhaps you remember the character that we brought up from Pilgrim's Progress, Mr. Faces Both Ways, who within himself held opposing opinions and the reason was so he could get along with everyone. We need to understand. So, that, so we're going to be, a, we want to be a peacemaker. In order to be a peacemaker, we have to have peace within ourselves. In order to have peace within ourselves, there has to be purity within ourselves. If my heart is not fixed on one thing, one thing that it is being pulled towards, and that's supposed to be the righteousness of God, and there's not going to be peace within. And the person who does not have peace within cannot be one that would help make peace with, uh, with others. When your passions are not fixed on the right thing, but instead they're conflicted, peace will not come. But instead what you're going to have is fighting. The natural result is going to be fighting. If you're there in James, look at chapter 4 and the first verse where it says, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
And so peace comes out of purity. This final beatitude that talks about our Christian character has to be reached by reaching all those before it. So our definition of a peacemaker, peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it in themselves. We're going to have it within, within ourselves when we have our minds fixed on God. And I'll give us a few other tips as well. But let's go ahead and look at this idea that peacemakers have a desire to bring peace to others. Is this something that's appealing to you? Do you think if you were there hearing Christ teach this for the very first time that that would have, you know, kind of strummed the strings of your heart? Wow, a peacemaker. That's what I want to sign up for. There are many people that would not put this at the top of their list of what they want to be. And I want to give us three traits. We won't spend a long time on these, but three traits that belong to those who regularly make peace. What do we see in those that are peacemakers? Well, A, a peacemaker does not insist on standing on his rights. And if some of you have just, uh, within you, wanted to debate me on that, I understand that almost everything we talk about is debatable, all right? Almost everything we say is debatable. So this is a controversial statement. A peacemaker does not insist on standing on his own rights. And Jesus Christ is the best example of this. When we study the master teacher and we see what he was doing, we have to, from what we learn of God's word and what he teaches us, we have to come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ had every right to continue his life in heaven. Jesus Christ had the right to stay in heaven and enjoy that beauty and that peace and everything that it was. But was that the choice that Jesus Christ made? Shake your heads yes or no. No. Jesus Christ chose to leave the beauty of heaven that he had every right to receive and have and he chose to come down into a world where he was the enemy. The Creator walked among the creation. He knelt down and washed the feet of some of the creation. He allowed himself to be bruised and killed by mankind that he had created. You see, Jesus Christ did not insist upon standing upon his rights. And if you want to come to the point where you're going to fight for every right every time, you need to understand that if Christ would have continued with the rights that he has, that you and I would spend an eternity in hell. Because there never would have been a sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus Christ, as he beautifully demonstrates the fact that he set aside his rights, set aside his power, and he did this for you and for me. And if you are going to be one who's going to be a peacemaker, there are going to be some things that you have every right to do or every right to say. And if you want to obey as Christ has asked us to here, you're going to need to push some of those things to the side. This will help you to be a peacemaker. 
We live in a world where many are fighting for their rights. And by the way, I understand sometimes you have to fight for your rights. There are some things that we as Christians need to stand firm for. But with our lesson here of being a peacemaker, we need to understand that we have to oftentimes set our rights aside. So first of all, a peacemaker is one who does not insist on his rights all the time. B, a peacemaker moves towards the trouble. A peacemaker is one that moves towards the trouble. So in order to be someone who is going to Give peace to others. We have to have it within, but then you need to not dodge all the problems. You need to not be afraid, and there's a whole lot of walking by faith that's involved here. But if you're going to be one that causes peace, you need to move towards the trouble. I recently came across uh, just one line of counsel, and it was one teacher, a wonderful teacher, who was given counsel years earlier on how to deal with people that had contention. When you've got these two parties that have contention, this was the counsel that he was given in how to deal with that. He was told, always move towards the barking dog. That's what you need to do. And that's not natural. It's not natural for us to move towards a barking dog. We all have this response of pulling away especially when you might see how big that dog's head is. You might just pull your finger right back. Individuals who are trying to help someone, who are trying to bring peace to another, who want this kind of promise that Jesus Christ gave, they are going to move towards the trouble. Peace does not mean an absence of conflict. It's not good enough just to get the fighting to stop long enough for them to reload and then they're going to come back later on. That's not good enough. We need to move towards the trouble. There will be conflict. And then lastly, and I'll, I'll, I'll just give you this point, and I'm sure you can probably do more better commentary than I can on it. Those that are going to cause peace, those that are going to bring peace to others, need to love before they are loved in return. If you are thinking, what's in it for me? You're never going to be good at this idea of making peace. You are going to have to love, even with the idea that you might not receive any love in return. In fact, there might be some pain that comes as you move towards the conflict. Love before you are loved in return. And then let's look at the reward that Jesus talks about. The reward that we see here, they will be called the sons of God. And we find a little bit of, a, of, of confusion here because many of you, if, if you are familiar with the gospel and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're thinking, well, hold on a second. I'm not necessarily a good peacemaker, but I thought I was a son of God. Jesus is not saying here that, he's not saying that those who would have a saving faith in him aren't sons and daughters of God. But I think a better way to understand this is by association. They will be called the sons of God. In my history, I can hear my, the words of my father when I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And all he could think of was people would say, isn't that Jerry Lazell's boy over there doing that? And that, he thought that a lot, by the way. Isn't that Jerry Lazell's boy? There's an association 
God says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And God is the ultimate picture of peace. There is absolutely no tension within the Trinity. Multiple times in the Bible, God is called the God of peace. One of the titles for Jesus Christ is he is the Prince of Peace. And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Peace. And so we need to understand that there is an association. Would you believe me if I told you that there are many people out there who do not represent God very well? Would you believe me if I said that? There are people who love to even take like the the Jesus fish and put it on their business cards. And some of those folks are crooks. There are some people who like this idea of God and they do not represent God well. I'm suggesting to us, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the sons of God. There is an association that takes place here with someone who is a peacemaker. All right, let me give you five things that you can do. I'm going to assume that there are some that are not at this rung on the ladder. I'm going to not give anybody an out. Every one of us should be going for this. It's part of our sanctification, growing closer to God. Five things that the consistent peacemaker will do. Number one, recognize when there is a problem. The one who's going to be a consistent peacemaker needs to recognize when there's a problem. And so what I mean by this is understand if there is a problem there and for us to cover our eyes and put our fingers in our ears and pretend that it's not there, not only does that not help you be a peacemaker, but usually it makes things worse in the end. And I don't want to cut out half my audience here, but I might. Because, honestly, some of the biggest offenders at this one here, pretending nothing is wrong, is the guys, the, the, the husbands in the relationships. We see it, we forget about it, move past it. And our wife might not. And guys, we are so guilty of this, just pretending like it's not there. We're like the ostrich with his head buried in the sand, and we think it's going to go away if we can't see it. And guys are horrible about this. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you cannot pretend like nothing is wrong. Recognize where there is a problem. And sometimes this comes with maturity. You've been down that road before. Or you talked to this individual here and you saw their experience. So yes, experience can be a help with this. Maturity can. Recognize where there's a problem. Number two, deal with conflict early. Deal with conflict early. In any relationship that has come to an end in an abrupt way, whether it's disarray, whether it's those two topics that I mentioned before we opened God's word today, with any relationship that has ended in disarray, there was a beginning to the strife. We need to learn to get ahead of it. When we allow it to continue, we're letting it fester. And oftentimes it comes back with even more heads on that problem. Deal with the conflict early. The third thing that a consistent peacemaker will do is practice restraint. If you're going to be one that's doing what Christ has commanded us here, you're going to need to practice restraint, especially with your tongue. 
You might have every right to say something. You might even have something that is so funny or snarky, sarcastic, and you can throw it out there, and it's a zinger. I can't, I can't resist. And I say that because I have that sarcastic tone within myself that has a very small amount of good and a whole lot of bad oftentimes. We are going to need to show restraint, especially with our tongue. You might feel like you have every right to unload, but you're going to need to have good discernment. If you're about to let that dam break and just pour down everything that's in your mind on that person, I hope you have spent some good time asking God for wisdom before you let them have it. For the most part, people who are good at making peace are going to be wonderful at practicing restraint. We don't necessarily like that, but my experience is is people that get down the road when they weren't sure if they should say that or not, usually it's the people that chose not to say what they were leaning towards saying. It's those folks who have less regret, those that don't say it. And the ones that let it out there, oftentimes they can't get those words back. It's like the toothpaste going going out of the tube. You can't put it back in those words are out there have you had this experience have you had the experience when you wanted to confront somebody on something there's a conflict there's a problem and you've got four things you want to say to them and three of those things are gold they're just they're exactly what needs to be said and one of them ah it might be hurtful ah it might be harsh Have you had the experience where somebody walks away and the only thing that they heard you say was that one thing that you were on the fence, whether you should say it or not, and they remind you of it? I've had that experience. You need to practice restraint, especially with your words. Be very, very careful with what you're going to say with people when you're trying to cause peace with others. Number four, take a step towards peace. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is the person who sees the potential of strife and they would move towards peace. They would not be afraid. They're doing the best to walk in a pure way. They have peace within. They're walking by faith and they're trusting God as they go. And then last, number five, trust the injustice that you have suffered to God. There will be injustice that will come directed towards you trust the injustice that you have that you have suffered to god and christ is the best example of this first peter 2 23 says when he was reviled he did not revile in return and so in the midst of a world that is full of strife and sin and pain our own sin others that have sinned against us Or just the general effect of sin when it all started thousands of years ago? How are we able to journey, to walk along in a way where we can cause peace for others? Well, we have to have it within to start. But then I want to also suggest today as we close that you are going to be walking by faith. There's going to be something that people will see around you and they won't quite understand it. Years ago, there was a businessman who was going on another typical flight. He thought it was going to be a typical flight anyway. 
And as he went and got on the airplane, everything seemed to be in place. Nothing really out of the ordinary, except one thing. Seated next to him on the aisle was a little girl who was by herself. He observed her and was looking for her to talk to another adult or make eye contact with somebody that might have been seated in a different row, but that never came. And so he thought it was a little odd that a girl so young would be traveling by herself, so he thought he would keep an eye on her throughout the flight. As the flight got going and took off, he had a woman seated by the window, and he was in the middle seat. And a little way into their flight, they experienced some turbulence. I should say they experienced extreme turbulence on the flight. And the passengers on the plane, all of the adults responded like you might suspect. All of the light, polite conversations stopped when the plane would drop and everyone's stomach would rise up into their throat. Everyone was scared. There were some people that were praying. There were some individuals that were crying. This gentleman who had been on many, many flights found himself gripping the arms of the seat in a tight way and sweating himself. And as that turbulence continued, he glanced over at this girl who was on her own and she had her coloring book folded up and put in the book rack in front of her. Her crayons nicely put away during this bumpy ride and she was sitting there with her hands folded on her lap not worried one bit. The turbulence continued and everybody around just decided to ride it out. And as soon as the, as quickly as the turbulence started, it came to an end. And they were coming to the end of the flight and he turned over to the girl and he said, I think you might be one of the bravest persons that I've ever seen. How is it that everyone on this flight was scared, nervous, and yet you can sit there and be so calm the entire time. And the girl looked the man in the eye and she said, oh, well, it's simple. My father is the pilot and he is taking me home. I want to suggest to us there needs to be something within. I've given us some practical tips today. There needs to be purity within in order for you to have your own peace, in order for you to give it to others. So there are these steps that we can take but we need to not forget the fact that we do the best that we possibly can and then we also understand that we're not alone in this journey. For your tomorrow, if you're a child of Jesus Christ today, you have a heavenly Father that is with you for the journey. How wonderful. How wonderful to know that you can do your very best and then what God's going to do is add his hand of blessing when I mentioned those elephants in the room at the beginning, we need to not be afraid of these things as followers of Jesus Christ. Because God would not tell us to be involved in a church if he was not going to give us an avenue for there to be peace and success in that church. God would not have told us as men and women to get married if he was not going to give us a plan for having success and peace in that marriage. And so it is not the fact that I am an eternal optimist for why I think marriages don't have to continue in turmoil and why churches can't have wonderful results and success 
in this world. The reason why I think those things is because God has promised it. He's going to put his hand of blessing on you as you faithfully do your part. And then you get to stand up and be a representative for God. You get to stand and say, look at this beautiful thing that I have not done, but what God has done in my life, in this relationship, at my workplace. Look at what God has done. You will understand the incredible joy and happiness that comes from causing peace in others' lives. And you can be honestly and well called a son or a daughter of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to you and understand the, the peace that you're surrounded with right now, the beauty of heaven, I would just pause to thank you for giving up your only son to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. I thank you for the, incredibly stri- the incredible strife that Christ would come into and what he would suffer for me because he loves me. And I thank you for giving him that confusing verse that says it pleased the father to bruise his son. You did not run away from the conflict, but you stepped right in so that we could have peace within, a peace of knowing that our sins are forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. With heads bowed, no one looking around, I'm gonna give us a chance to pray. You might want to pray about what we talked about today. Maybe you need peace within. Maybe you are up for taking on this task of causing peace with others. It's the Mount Everest of tasks that Jesus gives in these Beatitudes. It's hard, but it's worth it. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That work of Christ on the cross has never been applied to you because you've not asked for forgiveness The good news is all you have to do is say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Thank you for Jesus and his work on the cross. Make me your son or your daughter today. Take a moment to pray while the piano plays.